being grateful for whatever you can find to be grateful for in your life really makes a difference. Practicing gratitude works right alongside with, you know, the affirmations and making you feel good on, on a daily basis. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's even just minutes that are so horrible that you don't think you're going to get through the next two, three, four minutes of your life. If they have these other practices ingrained in them, then getting through those minutes will become a lot easier. Welcome to the Great and Famous Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Thompson, and together we share your stories of the everyday people that changed your life. We reconnect you with your greatest influence, recognize their generosity and lessons, and inspire others to do the same. It's practical wisdom from people you never heard of, aka the Great and Famous. Welcome to the next episode of The Great and Famous. I'm your host, Jim Thompson, and this is the B-side of episode four, where we're going to meet the most influential person in Max Ivey's life. If you haven't heard Max's backstory on my next guest, I urge you to check out the A-side of episode four. His tale of life in a carnival family, losing his sight, and how he turned his greatest challenge into his greatest calling card is a uniquely inspirational ride. His transition from carnival ride broker to published author was due in large part to his greatest influence, Lorraine Regally, a woman who overcame her own share of adversity and published a book on how she mapped her path back from a life-threatening depression. Lorraine is now an author, English teacher, and public speaker who guides people on the how-tos of book editing and publishing. So with that, I'm very happy to welcome Lorraine Regally to the podcast Thanks so much for joining us today, Lorraine. It's great to have you. Oh, well, it's my honor. Thank you for having me. So Lorraine, I had a great discussion with Max and knowing the character that Max is, I'm sure you can imagine some of the, some of the things that we talked about. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's an awesome guy. Before we get into your introduction to Max and how you both met, uh, can you talk a little bit about yourself and like what you're doing now and what fires you up? What I'm doing now is helping people put their books up on Amazon in a nutshell. And I do everything from editing, because I'm an English teacher, to formatting the text, to uh, helping them get a cover design for their book. So I do all of those things. And I still occasionally post blog posts on my website. And that's how I encountered Max along the way. So let's, uh, let's dive into that as well. So you and, you and Max connected, he said, in the comments section uh, on a blog post. So as part of what I started doing after I began my own website was blogging for other people's websites, writing articles for them and landing guest post positions on their sites. One particular site that I wrote for was, uh, we, Max and I had a mutual friend named Ashley Fox, who has a website called Mad Lemming. Ashley and I got to be friends, and I ended up writing an article. In the comment section, after that article was published, when I was responding to them, I came across Max's comment. And I can't specifically remember his exact comment because it was, you know, a few paragraphs long, 
But in it, he mentioned that he was blind. And I thought to myself, holy mackerel, how is this guy who's blind? How is he using like the internet and reading blog posts and commenting? And like, it just amazed me what he was doing. And in my response to him, I, you know, I expressed my shock and I asked him if I could learn more, if he would be willing to speak with me. And he, he and I ended up connecting through, um, through email after that. And I actually interviewed him because I had so many questions. It was just, yeah, it was just really amazing that he was so open and honest with me. He has such a friendly demeanor, as you know, um, you know, he's, he's willing to talk about absolutely anything. And so we forged a really good friendship as a result of, you know, him leaving that one comment. Just the fact that you reached out to him, can you just talk a little bit about accepting help? But before that, I want to talk about like giving help. So what caused you to, to reach out? Why did it matter to you? What, what was in it for you? Well, I wanted to help him out of the kindness of my heart. I mean, my, my heart went out to him. I mean, it, would be, it was no different than if I saw somebody struggling to cross the street. And so when I mentioned to him that, you know, there was some issues and I said, like, I, I know that you can't do this yourself, but I can help you. You know, it's, it's all about just sort of paying it forward. So uh, when you are a person that has a handicap uh, like Max and you struggle with a life without sight, receiving help can be difficult, especially when someone is offering help that was not requested. So why do you, why do you think and Max I think accepted that's, your help? Jim, I think that's true whether we have sight or not. I think a lot of us struggle with accepting help and asking for help. And I think the reason that Max accepted my help is because one, I offered it freely, no strings attached. And two, he knew he needed it. What do you, what do you think people take away from that? Like, why do people struggle with that? And what, what does it mean if you can overcome that? Well, I can only speak for myself in this regard because I am... Number one, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. And so along with that comes pride in being able to do things on my own. I'm a very independent woman and I always have been. And become, being a single mother just sort of reinforced that in me. Um, my son's now 32. So, I mean, we're talking decades here that I've been this way. And I know for me, when I am struggling with something and I don't have the knowledge to do the task myself, I know that I either have to A, learn how to do it, or B, ask someone to do it for me. But asking for help is very difficult for many people because it's perceived as a sign of weakness. If you ask for help, it means like, well, you're not good enough or, you know, you're, you're weak, like you can't do it yourself. And it's like, in fact, the actual opposite is true. Asking for help is a sign of strength. 
it's a sign of accepting that you know that you need some help and someone else can can do the job better than you can. The lesson in all of this is that we need people. We are not superhuman and can't do everything ourselves. We need other people in order to fix whatever sort of problem that arises. In Max's cases, it was it was website design. I offered to help him with that. But yeah, I think, you know, I think a lot of us just struggle sometimes with accepting the fact that we need other people. I think that's very true. By accepting help from someone, you actually provide a gift to them. Yes. Um, yes. That's that's another thing that Max is really famous for saying. Um, and 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 it blew me away when he phrased it as if you don't ask for help you're actually robbing the other person of the joy that they would get from helping you. Because yes, you know, it makes me, it makes, I think any of us feel good to help someone else. I mean, I think that's the perfect way of looking at it. One of the things that, that Max talked about was uh, he said there was a point later on where you called him and said, Hey, I'm having trouble finishing my next book and, you know, I need your help. Like what, what, how, how can you help me finish this damn book? Yeah. And, and Max, <laughs> Max says, well, the first thing you do is you stop calling it this damn book. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that conversation. Well, <laughs> so could you talk a little bit about yeah. of all the help that you've given Max a little bit of how Max has helped you? Yeah. So after, after, like I said, the sequence of events, how they happened, um, Max did start his second website, which led to him opening a coaching business. And as a friend, I, I was, you know, a recipient of that coaching during our, our conversations. And I remember struggling when I was writing my second book, because that was the book that mattered. Like my first book to me didn't really matter. It was just so I can make sure I knew the steps of the process. But my second book, From Nope to Hope, uh, How I Overcame My Suicidal Thoughts and How You Can Too. That's the book that I really wanted to share with the world because in it, um, I talk about the strategies and techniques that I personally used which I learned through years of counseling and then independent study about how to overcome depression and suicidal thoughts. As I was writing it, I had to revisit a lot of bad memories from my past, a lot of bad events that happened to me, and a lot of times where I was extremely depressed to the point where I was suicidal. And I pinpointed six particular times in my life. And I talk about them in my book. Um, so as I was going, you know, writing it and, and going through the process of writing it, I, I became fed up to put it bluntly. I just thought, you know, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to keep feeling all this negative stuff. When I was talking to Max about it, you know, he said, well, like, what's it, what's it going to take for you to to finish your book. And I said, 
honestly, I don't know, like I've got everything mapped out, but it's just, it's just a struggle. Like, and I remember saying like, I just want to get this damn book finished and get this book out there. And he said, he said to me, well, first of all, stop referring to it as your damn book. (laughs) And he says, how about reframing your thinking and calling it your masterpiece? And it was like just a, you know, the kick in the butt that I needed. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I thought about it and I thought, yes, you're so right. Because it is a masterpiece. He also suggested I get more people involved with reading it during the writing stages before I published it. So that was another one of his suggestions, which it's something many authors uh, generally do is they, you know, try and get feedback from their book as they're writing it so that, you know, if there's any suggestions that they're, they're called beta readers, the Mm -hmm. beta readers make to improve the book. Like if something isn't very clear in one area, they could give their personal feedback to the author. And then the author would make the necessary changes to improve the book. And so I, I listened to Max and I, and I took his advice and I got more people involved in every chapter that I wrote As soon as I was finished, I sent it off to a couple of my friends and then they gave me feedback and then I amended until eventually I got the finished product and was satisfied with it. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was something that Max, you know, really played an instrumental part in helping me reframe my thinking and my outlook on what I was doing. You know, I wrote on Facebook, I said, like, I can't do this. Like, this is too hard. And And I, and I, you know, I'm getting depressed again and I'm like starting to like feel suicidal again because of these experiences that I'm reliving and all the comments that I got were Lorraine, remember why you first started doing this. Remember your why. And I thought about it and I thought, yeah, I'm doing it to help other people. So I sucked it up and I disciplined myself. And I set a goal to finish a chapter every week, but every week I was going to do something until the book was done. And that's exactly what I did, you know, and that just shows to you that we need people. We need Mm -hmm. people to remind us of what we sometimes forget. In your book, From Nope to Hope, one that's that's structured to, to help people who are dealing with depression and suicide. What guidance would you have for someone who's in a similar situation to that? What suggestions might you have? So there's a lot of different things um, that you can do if you're struggling with depression. First and foremost, I, I would suggest talking with somebody, whether it's a friend or someone in a more professional capacity, such as a counselor or you know, like a psychiatrist, someone who, who has the skills to help you. You could try some strategies on your own. There's, there's a lot in my book. Identify your emotions and release negativity from your life. That was a huge one for me. Learning to identify my emotions and then releasing negativity, including toxic people. Uh, changing your mindset by using positive affirmations. And those two chapters are actually free on my website. And the reason being is because 
when I discovered how positive affirmations worked and how powerful they were, Mm -hmm. I was completely blown away by them. And I thought like, how come none of my counselors or how come no one has ever told me about these things? How did it, Um, how did it affect you? How did you change your? Oh my God. It made me a completely happy person. Like I couldn't believe how powerful they were. Positive affirmations. If we can just talk about those for a minute. Yeah. Um, they are statements that you tell yourself or you say to yourself or you read to yourself every day that may not be true when you first start reading them or saying them, but they eventually become true over time and you actually start believing what you're telling yourself. So for example, to to create an affirmation, let's just go with a really simple one. Like I am not enough. You take the opposite of that. I am enough. And you tell yourself that every day. I am beautiful. I am strong. I am a powerful, confident person. I can handle anything that comes my way. And you tell yourself, I am statements. Like I used to tell myself one, I am a published author. Long before I was a published author, because that's (laughs) what I wanted for myself. And now I can say I am a published author and it's a hundred percent true. See, the reason affirmations are so powerful, Jim, is because your subconscious, it can't distinguish between something that's true and something that's false. It takes everything it's told as truth. So whatever you tell it, whatever infiltrates your subconscious, that becomes your truth inside. And then what happens is it fights to make it become true in your outer reality. So inside, I'm a published author. That was something that I wanted. And it fought for me to become a published author. And eventually I took the steps and I became a published author. Then that's amazing though. You, you think about those affirmations. One of my good friends, uh, Jason Hoffman, who's a like, the trainer I've worked with for six, seven years talks about that. And, and I dismissed it for so long, Lorraine, because it sounded like just touchy feely. It, it almost sounds like it's too good to be true. Right. But then when you think about it, it makes complete sense because if you start telling yourself, I'm a published author and you come across a story about first time, first time authors, or you meet someone at a party who has a cousin, who is a a book agent. These are things that you'll now reach out to because you're constantly thinking about this, where if you weren't, you would have skipped past that article. You would have not asked for an introduction. You would have not taken those doors of opportunity that present themselves because you're not thinking about it. And so when that struck me, I was like, wait, this isn't just mystical. The universe is speaking to me. It's the fact that I'm thinking about this every day means I'm more likely to take action on the opportunities that pop up. But it also is the mysteries of the universe playing <laughs> their part too, because that's where the law of attraction comes in. What you think about, you, you attract. If you're thinking about something, like you said, yes, you're attracting it. So in a sense, the law of attraction is playing a part. And that is one of the seven laws of the universe. The universe is conspiring in your favor. So in conjunction with your thoughts, 
what you put out there, the universe listens and it responds accordingly. And that's why the law of attraction um, is so powerful as well, because it, you know, it works in, in conjunction with, with the positive affirmations. Then you also have something called visualization where you are trying to visualize what you want for your future. And that's another little technique that works in conjunction with the law of attraction as well. So they're all intertwined. All of these things actually work together and they, they have such immense power if you practice them. And that's why like on the days where I'm working, one of the affirmations that I use on those particular days are a successful businesswoman lives inside me. And today that woman is running my business. So waking up and knowing that it's going to be a work day, I tell myself that. And it's like a little switch is clicked in my brain and says, oh yeah, you know what? Instead of like lying in bed all sleepy for the next few minutes or hitting the snooze alarm, wait a minute, that successful person has to get up and do her stuff. And it's like immediate switch in your thinking. And, and that's why I say they're so amazing. If you just practice them, really incredible things will happen for you. And what I have done in that chapter is I've explained what positive affirmations are, how they work, why they work. And then I've provided a whole bunch of sample ones that people can use. They can copy and put together for themselves. I also teach people how to create their own, like there's general ones that anyone can use, but if you have a specific goal in your life that you want to accomplish, you just keep telling yourself that you've already accomplished it. Mm -hmm. And then your brain will, will work and will help you take the steps to accomplish it. Then I also, because I had a friend whose sister committed suicide. And when I was writing my book, he, it had been about nine months since his sister had had killed herself and I asked him if he would be willing to share the after effects that his family's going through that he and his family are going through as a result and so he willingly shared his his story and his experiences about what people do go through when someone does commit suicide and, and I think that was um, an important chapter to include because people do, they do give in to those whims. I even tried killing myself once when I was 15. And I talk about that quite openly as well. Fortunately, you know, I was unsuccessful. And that's one thing that I'm glad I was unsuccessful at, because now I'm here to help other people with their personal struggles and their journey. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Gratitude for what we have in front of us and what we can share with others is, is a true gift. Being grateful for whatever you can find to be grateful for in your life really makes a difference. Practicing gratitude works right alongside with, you know, the affirmations and making you feel good on, on a daily basis. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's even just minutes that are so horrible that you don't think you're going to get through the next two, three, four minutes of your life. If they have these other practices in, ingrained in them, then getting through those minutes will become a lot easier. 
given my recent circumstances with uh, with what happened with losing my father, grief and depression sort of go hand in hand. And so these can be even applied to the grieving process. I've found, you know, anytime you have any kind of negative emotion, just no simple quick fix of an answer. It's something that you have to understand first and foremost, and then you something you have to be aware of when it's happening. And when you find yourself exhibiting behaviors that are indicative of you slipping into that depression again, you know, for me, it was sleeping more. It was crying. It was being sad. It was thinking negative thoughts, hearing the negative self-talk. When I found that I was doing that, I'm like, okay, so instead of sleeping, I have, you know, get up and, and do something, do, do the dishes, vacuum the house, do some exercise, go for a walk, do something other than laying in bed. Mm -hmm. Um, When I'm feeling sad, talking to other people, reaching out and saying, Hey, you know what? I'm feeling, I could really use a friend right now and I need a hug. Can we talk? Then listening to other people and this, oh my God, works so well. When you reach out to people, you can say, hey, is there anything that I can help you with? Because helping other people who are maybe going through something worse than what you're going through will remind you that, hey, your problems aren't so bad after all. And then you in turn help other people because you're listening to them and you're being there for them. And so then, you know, that like going back to Max, like it makes you feel good because you're helping Mm -hmm. and and you're coming full circle. Um, There's, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do. Those are great lessons, Lorraine. Those are, those are things I use. Uh, The gratitude piece is huge. No matter what situation you're dealing with, if you can flip it around to understand that you're sad or, or or disappointed or frustrated about a situation that you had the opportunity to be in the situation to be frustrated, right? That you had the opportunity to be sad about having had something at some point is, is huge. And the ability to help someone else and take your mind off, if you can break free of that and think about someone else, just that act of considering someone else's life, their perspective, their struggles, and maybe how you could help them. All of a sudden you realize, wait, I'm not in this tiny little box. There's this giant world that I'm a part of and I can bring value to other people, even if I'm struggling. All those little things that you mentioned are all building blocks. They're all little pieces of the foundation that you can lay on a regular basis to, uh, you know, to, to put yourself in a better chance to be successful, to be happy, to uh, be more fulfilled and, and you're right. Like we, we are taught that the secret to happiness is uh, money, being thin, being famous. The, the truth of the matter is the things that you've talked about on this podcast, I've studied, I've read, I've tried. These are not new strategies. These are things that have been around for a, a long time because mm-hmm. they work. When people start to realize wait, I'm more in control of my outlook and my mental health. Uh, and certainly there's people that will struggle and need, need professional help or medication and things like that. But there's also our day-to-day lives. We can improve it so much by thinking about these 
these little things that are going to put us in the right frame of mind because it's the most powerful tool we have is that tool between our ears that we never think about. And it, that that's very true. And, you know, sometimes having all the knowledge in the world doesn't help. And sometimes you need the medication. Say probably about a year and a half ago, I was starting to get these suicidal thoughts again and nothing I was doing was helping. And so I went back to my doctor and I said, okay, none of my strategies are working anymore. What the heck do I do? And I met with the psychiatrist and she suggested that I take um, a mood stabilizer. So I have been on that for the last year and a half now and it's helping. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it's not just one particular strategy you need. Sometimes it's a bunch all combined together. We have the power to change our lives. That we do. It's an important note that a lot of people don't know, or maybe don't even want to admit that they have more control over their lives than they think. Right. Well, well, look, Lorraine, one of the questions that I asked Max was if you were to describe Lorraine in a single word and said, Lorraine is a blank person. I said, what would the blank be? He said, first, he's a, I'm a very verbose person. So it's very hard for me to put things in (laughs) single word responses. But he said, you know, the terms that popped to mind are courageous, fearless, unstoppable, finally settled on willful. He said, Lorraine is a willful person. How do you respond to that? What does that make you think of? Oh, Max, you're awesome. (laughs) To me, my word for Max would be inspirational. And, And I'm very... I think Max nailed it. I am a very willful person. I I do things with intention and I do things from the good of my heart. That was a great word that you chose, Max. I know he will listen to this podcast. He will for sure. And it's a great honor for you to have someone like Max point to you as the person that really helped shape his life. The opportunity to speak with you is, is tremendous. And I can't tell you how many things that you mentioned that clicked with me as things I've been thinking about, things I've, I've tried. It's funny how like when you start to talk to more people like us, people who think about thinking, right, is what I call mm-hmm. it, how many things recur over and over. Like I hear it back from multiple people. One of the things you mentioned was personal affirmation about you are enough. That specific phrase has popped up in almost every interview I've done since I started this. Is that funny, hey? It is. We're, we're We're so connected on so many levels. It's the phrase that comes to mind for most people because it's something that so many of us have struggled with. And, you know, we're influenced by social media to such a degree that we don't often realize the depths of that influence. That's why I think awareness is something that's so important. I think more people need to just start paying attention to themselves and being aware being aware of their thoughts, catching those negative thoughts and flipping them to positive ones, being aware of their actions, understanding these things and being aware of them and and having the guts and the courage to make the changes. You know, I mean, it's, there's been so many days where it's so much easier to just lie in bed with a book or lie in bed and watch TV and not have to do anything else. But Does that get you anywhere? No, but you get up and get moving. You start feeling better. 
you start making progress, you start being more productive, you start reaching for your goals. And then at the end of the day, you can look back and say, you know what? Yeah, today was a good day. I did this and I feel good about it. Well, Lorraine, thank you so much for the time. It's been a great trip. I'm sure the listeners are going to take a ton away from this episode. I know I did. So. Oh, it's been my absolute pleasure, Jim. I'm very grateful to be here and I'm very honored that both you and Max reached out to me to have me here. Very honored. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. And if anybody wants to reach out to me, wording well is my website and I'm on Facebook. So send me a message or shoot me an email. We'll link that all up in the notes. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for listening. Before you go, I would ask you to please do one thing. Please consider this simple question. Who is the most influential person in your life? When you have that answer, I would love to tell your story. You can nominate Your Great Unfamous on Twitter or Instagram at GR8Unfamous. If you want to do it privately, there's a link for that as well. But if you do none of that, at least let this person know what they mean to you. It could mean the world to them. Until the next episode, take care and be kind.